Thank you for that beautiful prelude this morning. I'd like to welcome all everyone to First Church this morning, those listening on the radio. We have a few announcements here I'll go over real quick. The mom on the organ is in honor of Roberta Tanzini's 89th birthday on this Saturday. It's September 26th, so happy birthday to Roberta. And a congratulations goes out <clears throat> to Weston Hirschfeld and Victoria Bartlett, who were united in Christian marriage here at the First Church on Saturday, September 19th. Weston is the son of Erica and Jana Hirschfeld, and Victoria is a daughter of Bradley and Marie Bartlett. So congratulations. Just a couple other items of interest here. The nursery in the basement reopened last week for child care during the worship service. And today is the first day of Sunday school and confirmation, so I think everybody's excited to welcome back the students this week. There is a new Bible study starting on the study of prophecy in the Bible, and you can find that in the ministry center following the service today is where that will be held. This Tuesday morning, or the Tuesday morning Bible study group will be starting a new study by Kathy Lee Gifford. You can find more information in the bulletin, or you can check out the website at www.firstchurchnk.org. And now I'd like to invite Aaron Roarball up to talk about his Sunday school class. Thanks, Keith. Good morning. As Keith mentioned, we're excited about the uh, restart of Sunday school hour. And I wanted to just share briefly and make extend an invitation to everyone. If, uh, for an adult class, we are going to be studying the end times, a study in prophecy. Uh, it's a 12-lesson study offered through verse-by-verse ministry. The majority of the study is a video uh, that's taught by Pastor Stephen Armstrong from verse-by-verse ministry. The videos range from 15 minutes to about a half hour. We do include the study guide. Uh, so it takes a walk through Revelation, through Daniel, through the New Testament letters to find out what the church has been, what is, and what will be. So it's a very interesting study. I encourage you to uh, attend. Uh, we're looking forward to presenting the study series. Uh, we meet uh, right after the main church service at 1015 uh, in the ministry center, and we usually have some refreshments. And so hopefully, if you're interested, I extend that to any high school, college age student, any, any adult member is welcome to attend. We look forward to seeing you and studying God's word together. Thank you. Please rise and join me in the call of worship taken from Psalm 34, verses 1 through 14. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I saw the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look at him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord. You, his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. 
Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now let us continue standing and sing the praise song, O Come to the Altar.
This time I want to invite forward Carolyn Lammers for children's chat. If there are any children here today, I invite you to come on forward as well. Love to see your smiling faces up here. Uh, just one word of encouragement, just a reminder, I encourage you to spread out on the steps as best as you can up here. Uh, but we're so glad to be able to invite you forward and be a part of children's chat this morning. Oh, it's so good to see everybody. Oh, somebody's not happy. Good morning. Good morning. It's beautiful out, and we had beautiful stars last night. Did you see the stars outside last night? Wow. Long drive, huh? Yeah. Well, now we're not supposed to get too cozy here, remember? Yeah. Now, what does it mean to be smart? Who knows what it is to be smart? Huh? Do you know what it means to be what, Jojo? You know a lot of stuff. How many of you are smart? Oh, yeah. How many people out there are smart? Some of us who are older know a lot more. Now, what does it mean to be wise? That's hard. What does it mean to be wise, Leah? You forget now? To be wise means that you know the difference between right and wrong. Now, if you have a lot of knowledge and you're really smart, that means you know all kinds of stuff and you know how to do stuff. But if you're wise, that means you know the difference between right and wrong. Now, who can give you wisdom? Take a guess. God can, can't he? But we have to ask for it. Okay? And then he'll lead us towards wisdom. Okay, smart's knowing a lot of stuff. Wise is knowing the difference and using all those information to make right. Now, we're going, to have a t- we're going to have a contest. Okay, I'm going to read you something, and then you tell me if that person was wise or not wise, okay? When Lily was at a friend's house, the friend started playing a video game that Lily's mom would not have approved. Since she knew it was wrong... She left the room right away and did not participate in the video game. Was she wise or not wise? Wise. Hey, girls, not wise. Well, I know. She's not going anyplace. There we go. Yeah, being wise is tough. Okay, Jack wasn't prepared for the test, so he asked his friend if he could cheat on her test. Not wise. Mm. Now, Mason knew he was wrong to take his friend's toy, 
So he returned it and asked for forgiveness. He never stole anything again. Was he wise? Wise. Wise. Yes, he was. Now, Lily likes to play with Sarah, but she's noticed that Sarah's been lying a lot lately. Lisa told Sarah that lying goes against what God teaches, and people won't trust her if she keeps lying. Sarah said she didn't care. Not wise. Mm. One of Cody's classmates looks really lonely on the playground. So Cody asked him if he wanted to play. Why? Why? So you see the difference between having smarts and being wise? It's hard, isn't it? We can live. There's a lot of us that are kind of on the old side. We've lived a lot of years, so we've learned a lot of stuff. And it's still hard sometimes for us to know what is wise. So with God's help, we can make good choices. But there's four things I want you to remember. You need to listen. You need to listen to learn about wisdom. And we can listen to our parents and Sunday school teachers and the pastor. You know why God gave you two ears and only one mouth, right? Why? You have, oh, excellent. Good job, Dad. Mom. That's right. You have two ears so you can listen twice as much as you talk. Good job. The other thing is the Bible has so much in it about wisdom. And that's what we're going to be talking on. Pastor Joel's going to be talking about being wise. Taking, knowing, taking the wisdom in our lives so we can be successful by making the right choices. The other thing is prayer. And that's how we ask for wisdom. We ask God for wisdom. And if we obey him, he'll share that wisdom with us. And love is how we can show God's love to other people in our good choices. So if we do these things, they'll help us have a good life. And be pleasing to God. With the help of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, we can be able to tell the difference between right and wrong, and we can live a life full of peace and joy. So you're smart. How many are you going to try to be wise? All right. We find all that information in the Bible, right? You guys did really well. Let's say a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we pray that you will surround these children with your grace and favor. In your mercy and kindness, please strengthen them with the strength of your Holy Spirit. May they be forever filled with your knowledge and wisdom and help show them how to make the decisions between right and wrong so that they can glorify and honor you. Help them to follow after you and to seek your peace guidance, and righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thanks. You guys can go be seated. So wonderful to see the the children up here for Children's Chat. And thank you, Carolyn, for sharing that wonderful message. A few announcements I want to just highlight for us before we go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Just a reminder, in a couple weeks we have our 
safety plan information meeting. That'll be Sunday, October 4th, after the worship service. We're going to meet over in the ministry center, and we're going to be talking about the safety plan uh, that we have been working on as a church, as consistory for the last, well, it's been, it's been quite a while, but with the pandemic, things kind of slowed down, and we're looking to move forward with that now. So everyone is invited to join us for that meeting. It'll be, again, October 4th, after church that Sunday in the ministry center. We're going to talk about how we as a church can be can provide a safe atmosphere for us to worship here uh, on Sunday morning. So I invite you all to be a part of that, and, I, and, I, and more information will be coming in the next couple weeks about how to, how to participate in that. Uh, the week after that, October 11th, we are planning to have our fall picnic at the park, just like we did last year, if you recall. Uh, we are going to make a few slight changes to that uh, based on what we did last year and based on the current circumstances that we're in. We're hoping to obviously still be able to have a get-together at the park. Uh, last year, we had everybody bring dishes to share and had a potluck-style meal. We decided at this time that's probably not the wisest thing for us to do, given the current restrictions and concerns with around COVID. And so we are still having a picnic, but we have uh, worked with Main Street to help provide some of the food for that. Um, so what we'd love for you to do is over the next few weeks, please let us know if you're planning to attend. Uh, there is a sign-up sheet at the info center here at the sanctuary. You can also call the church office or, or Connie even volunteered that you can text her directly uh, and let us know if you're coming. It's not a requirement, of course. You know, if you don't get a chance or you forget to let us know, you are, of course, still invited to come. We just need to have a, an idea of how many people are going to be there so we can make sure we have enough food for everybody. Uh, there is one thing we will have to do, though, and that is still grill some burgers and hot dogs. So in addition to uh, whether you're going to be there or not, if you can let us know if you're able to help set up or serve the food or grill the hot dogs, uh, we'd appreciate you uh, being able to help out with that. So there's a spot on that sign-up sheet also to let us know whether you're able to serve food and help us that afternoon. But uh, bottom line is we're looking to, to get together, enjoy a time uh, of fellowship, uh, and do so at the park where we can spread out a little bit more and have, have a good time there. So once again, that is October 11th, and it'll be from noon to 1.30 uh, at the park here in New Knoxville. Um, wonderful. Also, just want to encourage you to continue to be in prayer. So excited that Sunday school and confirmation and, and adult Bible studies are starting today. It's really exciting. We've been looking forward to this day for a long time. Uh, it's been since March since our kids' Sunday school classes have had a chance to gather together. So really excited for that. Uh, and, and thank you to all of the, the teachers, the volunteers, the helpers, the nursery workers during our Sunday morning service. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. So thank you to everyone who's been a part of planning and preparing for this day. It's been a long time coming, and I'm really excited for it. Also want to just say thank you to everyone here. It's so good to see so many gathered here this morning. You all got the memo that it is 9 o'clock, not 10.15, so that's great. I'm glad you all remembered that. I'm still going to wait and see if anybody wanders in at about 10 o'clock looking for church. It'll be interesting to see if anybody shows up at that time. But uh, thank you all for, again, being aware of that, being prepared for the switch. And we are going to be here at 9 o'clock in the sanctuary going forward with 10.15 Sunday School after the service. Uh, let's go to the Lord at this time in prayer and continue to, to pray for those names and those families that are represented in our prayers and concerns list. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you to, that we are able to gather here as your people and worship you as one body of Christ here in this place. 
We thank you not only for your body of, of Christ here in First Church, but also the, the other the, the church as a whole, Lord, other bodies of believers gathering together even now to worship you and to praise your name. Lord, we thank you that you make us one in Christ, that, that all people who call in the name of the Lord to be saved are, are part of your family. And we thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, not only here in First Church, not only those watching on Facebook and listening on the radio, but that are gathered all around this, this state, this country, and this world to worship you this day. Lord, we, we come to you in full confidence that you are good and that you are loving, that you are holy and that you are just. And we ask, Lord, for you to work according to your will in each of these situations. Lord, there's many names and families represented on our prayer list today. Uh, and we ask, Lord, that you would be with each one of them, that you would guide them in your truth, that you would comfort them by your spirit, and that, of course, that you would bring healing and provision where it's needed. Lord, we also pray um, uh, pray for one other name on the list that, that wasn't... Uh, uh, wasn't there at the time of printing, we also want to pray for Steve Preter and pray that you be with him and his family as well. Lord, we also pray for our Sunday school and confirmation classes that are starting today. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, be with uh, those that are, are teaching, that are helping in the classrooms, as well as the students, Lord, that will be, be back in, in Sunday school today. We thank you, Lord, that we are here and that, that the teachers and volunteers have made all the necessary preparations to make this happen. And we are just so excited and delighted that we can gather together as your people in this way. So we pray for a wonderful and safe and healthy school year, Lord. We ask for your protection. And we ask, Lord, for um, that you would be able to, to keep us healthy, keep us safe, so that we can continue to go forward with this throughout the fall. And, Lord, with that in mind, we also lift up our, our country, our nation, our, our state, our nation, our world, uh, Lord, in this ongoing pandemic. We pray for all those uh, who are sick, and we pray for the families of those who have lost loved ones, and we pray for your, your, your comfort and your peace that passes understanding. We pray for wisdom and knowledge for our leaders, both within, within churches, within lo- different levels of government, Lord, within our communities. We pray for your guidance and your wisdom that we may make decisions that are good and beneficial for all people. We pray these things in Christ's name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. This time I invite you to stand, if you're able, once again, and sing our next praise song with us, 10,000 Reasons.
seated. This time I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Today we're going to be starting a new sermon series. And going forward this fall, we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs, looking at practical wisdom for everyday life. Uh, now, we're not going to be going verse by verse through Proverbs. It's not exactly a book that is easy to or accessible necessarily to preach in that manner, but we will be looking at some passages of Proverbs, some main themes that are going on. And today we're starting right there in chapter 1, verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, uh, Proverbs, um, in your turn to Proverbs, if you don't have your Bible with you, the words are also printed in your bulletin. You can always follow along there too. So here God's word as it comes to us from Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings of writ- and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I invite you to pray with me. Father God, thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you, Lord, for the, the privilege and opportunity to, to share your word here this morning. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would give me the words to speak and you'd open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let me ask you this. If you could ask God for anything, what would you ask him for? Have you ever thought about that question? Have you ever put yourself through that and wondered, you know, if God gave me a blank check, what would I ask of him? Now, you may have something that comes to mind right away. You could ask for, you know, health. Wealth, right? World peace, of course, is the nice, safe answer, right? What would you ask for? It's, a, it's interesting to think about that and see where that goes. The problem, though, with that way of thinking is that God isn't some magic genie where you can just rub his lamp and then he'll pop out and grant you a few wishes. I wish it was that way sometimes, right? That would be convenient and easy, but that's not the way that God works, you know, he's not, one of my favorite movies growing up when I was a kid was the original Aladdin. Not, not these live action remakes, but the original animated series with Robin Williams as the genie, right? And, and the genie's sole purpose was to grant the wishes of, of his master, whoever was in possession of the lamp. And sometimes we like to think that God works that way, but he doesn't. But there was one instance, one instance in the Bible that I can think of that comes to mind where God did give someone an opportunity to ask for anything. And it was Solomon. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, after David passed away and Solomon succeeded him as king, God appeared to Solomon and says, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now think about that. That's a pretty open-ended statement, isn't it? And parents know that open-ended questions can be very dangerous, right? Try, try that out sometime. Ask your kids what they want for dinner. We've done that before, right? And, and if we were bound to that answer, if we were bound to that question, we'd be having ice cream or cake or something along those lines, right? That's when, we, when you ask open-ended questions, you never know what kind of answer you're going to get in return. Solomon could have asked for anything he wanted, right? I talked about some of those things already. He could have asked for wealth. He could have asked for long life, 
peace in his time. But he didn't ask for any of those things. What did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. Right? For those of you that are familiar with the story, Solomon asked God for wisdom. In Second Chronicles chapter 1, verses 8-10, through 10, Solomon answered God, You've shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed, for you've made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? Right, Solomon didn't ask for wisdom for selfish reasons either. Notice here, he asked for wisdom so that he could be a good leader, so that he could lead the people well, so that he could be a good and wise king. And so what we have here with the book of Proverbs is, is in a sense, kind of the collection of that wisdom. Solomon is often regarded as, as the most wise king of Israel or maybe the wisest person to ever live, right? He was known for his wisdom. And here in the book of Proverbs from chapter 1, verse 1, we see that these are the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. You know, this is the, the collection of, of wise sayings that he wrote and, and collected from other sources and we have the benefit now, some thousands of years later, to read and learn from them. And so, so that's what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks. We're going to be studying the book of Proverbs together. And as the title of the sermon series alludes to, you know, we're looking for practical wisdom for everyday life. And we'll begin by today discussing what a proverb is and their purpose and, and what the purpose that they serve. And, and we need to do that by, by really following up with what Carolyn talked about during children's chat. And that is the difference between wisdom and information. Right? There, there's a big difference there if you think about it. We live in an information age. We're flooded with it. Right? How many of you have smartphones? Right? I have mine, mine right here. Right? We have smartphones. We carry them around with us all the time. I, in the palm of my hand, am holding access to more information than almost all of human history has ever had access to. Right? There's more computing power in this phone than, than was in the space shuttle that brought Neil Armstrong to the moon. Right? And we carry these around and we scroll through Facebook on them or play games. Right? We carry these around with us. We have more information than we know what to do with most of the time. Right? And, and when we don't know the answer to something, it's become second nature for us to just Google it, right? You don't know, you don't know a, a bit of trivia. You're looking for the answer to, to something. You just type it into Google, and within a moment, you have thousands and thousands, sometimes millions of web pages at your disposal to read and to study. But where has all this information gotten us? Right? Where has this, this plethora of information really gotten us? Has it made us better people? Has it made us a more prosperous and just society? In some ways, yes, it has, right? There are certainly benefits to the information that we have at our fingertips. But in many other ways, it has not, right? It has not led to us being better people or more, or more prosperous and just society. You see, like money, information is it's really kind of neutral in a sense, right? It's not good or bad, Information just is, just like money is, right? What matters is not the information itself, but what you do with it, right? That's, Carolyn was alluding to the difference between smarts and wisdom, right? And that's, that's a good way to put it, right? You can have all the information in the world, but still have no idea how to apply it in a right and just way. You can have 
uh, Wikipedia and Google at the ready, but if you don't know how to take that information and apply it to your life, you're still missing something. And that right there is the key difference between just information and wisdom. And so Proverbs are given to us so that we can, we can try to make sense of the information that's at our fingertips. That's where wisdom comes in. It's, it's the ability to take that information that's presented to us and then decide what to do with it. Wisdom is the ability to apply what is known and what is known to be true and what is experienced in this world to one's life. And so Proverbs in themselves, you see, as you read through the book of Proverbs, and I encourage you to do that over the next few weeks. Uh, a lot of you, I hope, have been uh, following along with the reading plans that we've been putting in the bulletin. Uh, I think we kind of started that fairly soon in the, in the start of the shutdown uh, as a way to, to encourage you to be reading Scripture and, and doing so. Uh, if you notice, this week's is not just one week. Um, it will take you through the next uh, several weeks reading the book of Proverbs from beginning to end. So starting tomorrow, if you want to read with us, we'll be reading Proverbs chapter 1, uh, chapter 2 the following day. All the way through uh, the end of October, we'll get us through the book of Proverbs. But as you read through that, you'll notice that, that the majority of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, are these short, kind of pithy, succinct sayings. And these sayings are, are observations of, of nature and of human behavior. There are things that tend to occur often enough to, to make an observation about it, about it or, or put a name to it. And these Proverbs tend to be short. They're memorable. They're usually powerful sayings that have a way to, to kind of get under your skin. They stick with you in a way that just pure information or knowledge doesn't. As one scholar observed, it's, it's very difficult to define a proverb, to, to put a precise definition on what a proverb actually is. Right, but you know one when you see one. And Proverbs aren't just unique to Scripture, right? They're not just biblical in nature. There's Proverbs from basically every society and culture that's ever lived. You know, think of some of these sayings that are probably familiar to you. A penny saved is a penny earned. Give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, and he'll eat for a lifetime. Three may keep a secret if two of them are dead. That's a good one. Good things come to those who wait. Right? All of these sound vaguely biblical. They sound like something that Jesus or Solomon may have said, but they are not biblical. Uh, there, there's some wisdom in them, right? Some practical wisdom, but they are not biblical in nature. But they're still Proverbs. Right? There's still wisdom that you could take and apply to your life. And the other important thing to know about Proverbs before we continue on in this passage is that Proverbs by nature are not promises, Right? They're not guarantees that life will always work out exactly the way that it is described in Proverbs. And that's where we can sometimes get in trouble when we're reading the book of Proverbs. We, we read something and say, all right, the wise person does this, the fool does this, so that's how I'm going to live my life. And then you expect everything to work out perfectly from that point on. But life doesn't always work that way, does it? Proverbs are, are general observations. They're, they're the way that things tend to work most of the time. But there's no, certainly no guarantee that that is the way it has to be. So think about that. Keep that in mind as we study the book of Proverbs, as we, as we venture forward and talk about what it means to be wise and know these things, right, and apply them to our lives, that these are general principles that tend to be true most of the time, but certainly no guarantee or promise that life will always work out that way. And so what I want to do today is, is focus in on, on the purpose of Proverbs, this way of wisdom that 
that Solomon introduces here in these first few verses. Over the, uh, between verses 2 and 6, you see there are four verses that begin with the word for. So in other, there's four fours here that I want us to focus in on. And they're the, the purpose of Proverbs and the book of Proverbs as a whole. And so we see the first one in, cha- in verse 2. The, the, for they, Proverbs are given for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. So the first thing to notice here as we begin to study what it means to be wise is that wisdom is learned. It's, a, it's received. It's, a, it's acquired. It's not something you are just born with. And so if we want to be wise, we must be teachable, right? And, and, and we, need to, we need to understand that sometimes we're going to be instructed by others, uh, by, by parents, right, by good friends. Sometimes we're instructed by hardships in life, right? We learn things the hard way. But, but we need to be teachable. We need to be willing to learn from our mistakes. We need to be willing to learn from the wisdom of other people if we want to be wise ourselves, and that requires discipline, right? It requires a willingness to, to submit ourselves to correction, to be able to recognize error and learn from it, both in our own lives and in the lives of other people. Mark Twain once said that we must learn from the mistakes of others because you won't live long enough to make them all yourself, right? We need to, we need to learn from other people. We need to learn from our, our family, our friends, those that have gone before us so that we can learn from what they went through and be able to apply it to our lives. We need to be teachable, but we also need to be humble. As I mentioned before, wisdom is, is received. It's not taken. Right? We need, to, we need to recognize that wisdom comes when we humbly submit ourselves to the Lord. A philosopher that lived several centuries ago named Descartes once said, I think, therefore I am. Which has really become kind of a very fundamental uh, principle for modern society. And, the, and what, this, what this statement is saying is that the, the central focus of existence is, is the self. Right? I think, therefore I am. I know who I am because of, because of the, uh, the ability to think, to doubt, to question that comes from within, within me. But notice here as we look through this passage that biblical wisdom is not self-centered. It's not from within. It's from without. It's from knowing the Lord and receiving wisdom from him. It's recognizing that the source of wisdom is not man, but God. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Solomon says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So to be wise, we must first recognize that wisdom is, is learned, it's received. It's, it's something that we gain over time as we are taught and we go through the experience of this life. But wisdom also has to do with our behavior. We see that in Proverbs uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 3, receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right, just, and fair. See, what we do matters in this life. In James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, James says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And so wisdom is not, it's not about just acquiring information, but it's about living it out. It's about doing the right thing. And it's meant to be used for good, not for evil. Notice Solomon says it's for what is right and just and fair. 
right? We're called to take what we've learned in this life and apply it for, for God's glory and for the good of others, not for our self-centered motives or goals. Information can be twisted easily, can it? Right? It can be manipulated to support one side or the other. Right? You don't have to look very far for proof in our world today, do you? Just flip back and forth between two, some, some well-known cable news programs. These programs could be covering the same event and the same information, but yet you wouldn't even know it. Right? Each one is presented from a different angle and come to two very different conclusions. But a wise person doesn't twist the truth. They always seek what is right, seek to do what is right and to act justly. And that is in accordance with what God calls us to do in our, in our lives as well. The prophet Micah in chapter 6, verse 6 says this, What shall I come, <clears throat> with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come with him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Sounds a lot like Proverbs chapter 1, verse 2, doesn't it? Or verse 3, right? To, to do what is right and just and fair. That's what God desires of us in our lives. Right, the wise person doesn't say, do as I say, not as I do, right? It's cause, because wisdom understands that it is displayed through our actions and our attitudes. Jesus once, once said that we can know the difference between a, a, a true righteous teacher and a false prophet by the fruit of their lives, right? The, by the product of their attitudes and actions, Right? And the same can be said for a wise person. We can know the difference between a wise person and a fool by looking at their actions and the product of their life. Wisdom also leads to maturity. We see that in verses 4 and 5 of Proverbs 1. There's this invitation that goes out to both the simple and the wise. Right? And, and when Proverbs talks about a simple person, they're talking about someone who is maybe naive or ignorant, not the unintelligent. The simple in Proverbs are those who have not yet made a decision in regards to wisdom. They haven't rejected it like the fool has, but they've not embraced it like the wise either. In a sense, they're that undecided voter, right? And so wisdom calls out to the simple, extends an invitation to the simple to live wisely. It's important for us to note, too, there's no direct correlation between physical age and spiritual maturity or wisdom. Right? It, it talks about the young here. And of course, we need to train our kids to know the difference between right and wrong. So much of parenting is just trying to, trying to help your kids be functional adults in, in the real world, right? Trying to help them understand and do what is right. But, but it's not just the young in age that need instruction. It's, it's, it's all of us, of course, but it's, it's also the spiritually young or the spiritually immature that need help and guidance in these areas of life too. But the call is not just to the simple, it's the call is also to the wise, because the wise person understands that we never stop growing. Right? Someone once told me that true wisdom is understanding just how much you don't know. Right? So the wise person will always continue to seek more wisdom because they realize how much they really need it. And the fourth four is, teaches us in verse 6 that wisdom helps us to make sense of life. 
Right? Life is not always straightforward. It's not always black and white and simple like that. There are gray areas that are sometimes difficult for us to navigate. And so wisdom helps us to make sense of those hard-to-understand moments. And when we, when we navigate those, the most important thing to do is to always do the best with what you have. Wisdom helps us to take hold of the information that is at our fingertips and helps us to make the right decision based on that. We may not always see the big picture. We may not understand 10 steps down the road, but wisdom can help us see what that next step is and to make sense of that and do the next right thing. Sometimes godly Christ-centered wisdom doesn't make sense from a worldly point of view, but God still calls us to follow him no matter what. And that leads us here to the last verse, the last point, which is so important for the book of Proverbs. It's really the foundation that Proverbs is built on, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It says begin, right? It's not, it's not a starting point that we leave behind. It's the foundation. It's the guiding principle for all of wisdom. Right? Just as you can't have a novel without the alphabet, just as you can't have a symphony without music notes, you can't have wisdom, true wisdom, without the fear of the Lord. It's the foundation for all that is true, all that true biblical wisdom is built on. I touched on what the idea of fear of the Lord is briefly last week, right? It's, it's not terror, it's not in the sense of being afraid of the dark, but it's awe, it's respect, it's reverence that then leads to submission and obedience, it's, it's, there's kind of a relational aspect of fear, too. You can't have awe and respect and reverence for someone or something you don't know. So there's this connection, a relationship, then, that must be lived out. And it's not a fear of God, in, a God in general. But notice here, it's the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of Yahweh. It's the fear of the God of Israel. It's the name that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. The name that God chose to be known by. It's personal. It's relational. And so wisdom doesn't come from any God. It doesn't come from any old source. It comes from the God, right? The God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the question before us that this, this, oh, these opening verses leave is, is, do you want to be wise or do you want to be like the fool who despises wisdom instruction? Right, that's the question that's laid before us. Do you want to be wise? Do you want to live well? Do you want to know how to navigate this crazy, broken world that we live in? Because let me tell you, we need it now more than ever. Right, 2020 has turned our lives upside down, and we don't know what twists and turns and ups and downs will still be to come. But we do know that we need wisdom for the months ahead, no matter what we face. And there's only one way that we can attain it. It's to know the Father, to know God, to, to trust in Him. Human wisdom will always fall short. It may seem right for a time, but it will always lead to a dead end. And there's, there's a reason for that, because, because all of us, including myself, are affected by sin. Right? We're, we're sinful people. We are self-centered, right? We are short-sighted. We can't always see things from God's perspective. Hardly ever see things from God's perspective. Right? And so when we rely on ourselves and our own human wisdom, it's always going to fall short. And so we need to quit, you know, running from the truth. We need to quit despising wisdom and instruction and embrace the gospel. The good news is that Jesus died for us. The good news is that Jesus came in this world to save sinners so that in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of our self-centeredness and short-sightedness, he forgave us and redeemed us by laying down our life, his life. 
Remember I said that at the beginning of the sermon that wisdom was all about knowledge and what to do with the information you have, how to apply it in a given situation. So here's the key for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, when it comes to wisdom. So when Jesus died for you, when you put your trust in him and, that, and you, you began that relationship with the Lord, Jesus gave you his Holy Spirit to, to live in you. He gave you his Holy Spirit, who he calls the Spirit of truth, who guides you into all truth. He gave you his Holy Spirit to live in you. And so wisdom is not anymore about um, uh, conforming ourselves to some outside source of information, some, some exterior uh, body of knowledge that we must figure out how to navigate and apply to our lives. We now have the Holy Spirit living in us to help us, to guide us, so that we may understand and know what to do with what God is, is leading us to do. And that's key. That's so important to know that the Holy Spirit is guiding us. In other words, you know, that's, that's it's, it's God and His Holy Spirit wanting to transform us from the inside out so that we're more like Jesus. And that all happens within the context of a saving relationship with Jesus. And that's the invitation that's before us today. It's before all of us here in this room, listening on the radio. Do you want to follow the way of wisdom? Then you must follow the way of Jesus. Follow the way of the cross. I want to invite the the praise team forward as we close in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the wisdom that only you can provide. And thank you, Lord, that you invite us into a relationship with you so that we may know what it is and what it means to live for you in this world. Help us to follow the way of wisdom, Lord, by submitting ourselves to you and to your spirit. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service today, I invite you to stand with us and sing, Be Thou My Vision.
may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace. Thank you.